My name is Dayo Moyo and this is the future. Growing up, I marked the stories of people like Mark Zuckerberg, Galileo Galileo, and even before I was old enough to get a job and pay my bills, I was already aware of the stories of Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. Nobody told me the stories of Michael Ibru, of Desmond Tutu, of Alakija, men and women who looked like me and shared my experience. We need to change the narrative. In this interview series, I would be interviewing Africans doing interesting things within and outside the continent. Let's inspire a generation. On this week's episode of the podcast, I spoke with Abdurrahman Ibrahim, CEO of Motion Wears. He spoke of how he defied the wish of his parents who wanted him to join the military, of how he started his first business fresh out of secondary school, how he lost about 700,000 Naira as a student preneur to fraud. This is a story of how a young boy from the barracks pursued his dreams of becoming expert in software development and starting a business. It's knowledge back to back to back. Let's get into it. All right. Um, I would like to first and foremost thank you, Ibrahim, for taking out time to speak with me. Um, I do not take it for granted. I know that you are very busy and you have a busy schedule. And I would like to start this interview with the fact that I think the first time I really came in contact with a Northern friend was during NYC. And um, there was this guy that was working in my PPA, which is like the primary um, place of assignments. And coincidentally, his name is Ibrahim. And so yeah. <laughs> it's kind of coincidental. So um, it's kind of opened me up my service here opened me up to so many things that we took for granted or that we generalized in the southern yeah. part of this country. For example, it was during that time I discovered that not everybody at the upper side of Nigeria are Aousas. Um, I used to think like everybody up north is Aousa. And then when I started went for NYC, someone is telling me, no, I'm an Idoma boy, I'm a distant, I can't even speak Aousa. So let's go back, way back to your upbringing. Can you just tell me about um, how you were raised and just give us an insight of, of the fact that you are a Northerner and those things that we take for granted or we take as stereotypes in the South. I would appreciate if, you, if we can start with that. Okay, Dayo, thank you very much. Uh, so the truth is this, I'm from Kogi State, right? And uh, I, I was born in Kaduna and I grew up in Kaduna. Funny enough, I grew up in an environment where I was more aware of uh, the existence of other tribes and uh, languages across uh, southern part, eastern part, and so on and so forth. So I... My parents were military personnel. They are still in service, actually. So wow. um, 
my dad is an army officer and uh, my mom a police officer really? <laughs> but, you know, that's the kind of <laughs> whom i came from and uh, my dad was not as strict as my mom my mom was very strict so uh, growing up i i was the first child of the three of us and uh, i i learned how to cook how to wash doing house chores was like the norm in my house so like where let me say the middle class let me categorize it that way and uh, growing up as a child i was really compelled to stay indoors because of this children get really loose and start developing bad habits and things like that and also some kind of attitude she really don't like so I, I happen to stay indoors most of the time. I, I get to go out once in a blue moon, kind of. So, but then I was a bookworm, so it wasn't really a challenge for me staying indoors. This led me to explore more, read a lot of like engineering mathematics right from my senior secondary school. I had King's George back then, and I happened to go for like cowbell mathematics competition. And I, I know I went to the final stage back then. So, but growing up was fun for me, and but it was mostly indoors. Yeah, but how does it how does it feel living in the barrack? The fact that there are so many families. Uh, what was it like for you? Even though you've mentioned that your mom would allow you stay indoor and the rest of that, but what's that? I've never lived in the barracks, so I'm trying to wrap my head around how does it feel living in a in a setting where there are so many families and so many moving parts. Growing up in the barracks is you getting to stay with people that are from different parts of the country. For example, my neighbors and friends were Igbos, Yorubas, and Aramari school. I, I was able to even figure out that uh, there were languages like uh, Igbo, Hausa, Yoruba, different languages because we all had these people in the barracks as neighbors. Uh, most of the kids were friends in school. And when I go for sporting activities, we get to interact, chat. So it opened my eyes, eyes to like, hey, it's not just like not that exists. But there's southwestern part, there's southeastern part. So I don't have this perspective that okay, like people in the in the uh, southeastern part are just Igbos, but there are other languages in southeastern or south south part of the country. So something like that. I get that. I think that makes sense to me. So let's let me ask you: um, When did you get your foray into technology? Tell me that story of how you started or how you even knew that there is something called the tech space? Was it before you gained admission into the university? Okay, mine, mine came before I got admission into university. My story went back. My first computer system I had was in 2006. So my, my dad came back from, I think, Sudan, or one of those uh, peacekeeping missions, and uh, he bought me a computer. So uh, a desktop to be specific, I think Pentium 4 back then. So like in my area or among my friends, I was the only person very unlike parents in the barracks. So my dad bought me a computer. And one thing I do with them is play games, 
Mortal Kombat, Super Mario, and things like that. So those were the things I was using computer to do. Then I, I learned how to use Corel Draw and also Microsoft Word. But then I, I, I love PowerPoint a lot because I could create some visual effects and try to see them animate and things like that. That was like the first time I had anything to do with computer. I could typeset then, but then I, I really don't know, have any means of connecting to the internet or something. So I really don't know about the internet or the tech space as a whole. So, but after that class, I went back, I went to a cyber, I was told to go to cyber cafe. So I went to cyber cafe and I, I knew cyber cafes existed, but I have never entered to do anything. So I really don't know a lot about those things. But I have friends that say, hey, I can go online and do this, but I really don't know how it works. So when I went down, the guy was using the same, like I have this thing at home now. So the guy was now browsing, he now browsed it. I think he op opened Google then and and typed some kind of stuff there and it brought out this result and he just clicked and copy, paste, copy, paste. But I said, I have Microsoft Word on my system at home and things like that. Then I started asking more questions. Then he explained what the internet is all about. Uh, the basic form that anybody you can just access from any part of the world. And this that was what opened my eyes to uh, the internet first. So and I started, when I went back home, I'm a very curious person. So I started disturbing my dad and I'll go out on Saturdays, just go to cyber cafe to go and explore. So by 30 minutes or one hour and explore, try to search, browse things and things like that. So that was how I discovered a biography of, uh, I think, Bill Gates. Yeah. So, and yeah, that was like the first time I really knew like, okay, something like the digital economy exists then tech space as a whole. All right. So um, I think this kind of kick back memories in me too, or kick in memories in me of my first visit to a cyber cafe. I think it was one of a family friend that took me and then we were in this very small shop or cramped shop. So many guys trying to, to chat. You know, it was the days of um, Yahoo Boys and the rest of that. And... Um, now we no longer we no longer see cyber cafes again, or they are beginning to be wiped off. But funny enough, funny enough, like just few years later, after my graduation before service, I opened a cyber cafe before. Wow. <laughs> but but it's kind of interesting. So when you discovered the internet, what did you do with it? Did you gain admission? What did you study first and foremost? That's a long story, but then I'll cut it short. So I, I, when I finished secondary school uh, in 2008, I didn't write jam because my dad felt I should just focus on my SSC and finish that. So I didn't write jam. So then 2009, I wrote jam. I, I applied for uh, electrical and computer engineering. Uh, then I was given industrial chemistry. That was at FUT Mina. So, and uh, Federal University of Technology Mina. So then I, I wrote JAM again in 2010 because that was not the course I wanted. I was given industrial chemistry, so and I, I wanted something around engineering. So, but then I discovered programming in 2009 while I was in 100 level studying industrial chemistry. So, and I realized 
a course like computer science existed. I thought it was just computer engineering. Okay, so, so you went for the industrial chemistry. Yes, I actually started 100 level. I was in 200 level when I wrote. Okay, okay. So <clears throat> in 2010, I wrote JAM again. And uh, that was when I applied for computer science because I even got to discover that a course like computer science existed. Mm. That was when I was uh, in 200 level uh, in industrial chemistry. So but I'd, I'd already started programming then. A basic HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. So that was in 2009. And then in 2010, I applied computer science and applied for ABU. Yeah. So how that did was... you learn? How did you learn? So for example, I've got a student who is interested in technology and programming. How does he learn? Or how did you learn first and foremost? And considering everything you've now known, how can the person learn to program and to code? So the reality there is it's just curiosity. I, I was I was a very curious person, right? And as a child. So and I I don't know how to put this, but I had the ability to learn on my own growing up as a child. I could learn. In fact, I, I wasn't taught further mathematics in my senior secondary school, but I wrote it in SSC and I got an A in further mathematics for wow. me. Yeah, so I, I, I bought like, for example, K Strode engineering mathematics back then, one, and uh, I learned almost everything myself and I wrote it. So coming back to like programming, when I discovered programming in 2009, it was more like, wow, then I saw a lot of things, but making sense of those information are really difficult if you don't know what to look for. So I started seeing like C++ and things like that, but well, for some reason, I just felt I should search the basics. What is the first thing I should learn if I want to become a programmer? And I stumbled on an article that said, hey, the baseline, the best or the most marketable uh, part of programming you should learn should be web. And if you're starting web, uh, start with HTML and CSS. So then I got to learn about what HTML is, what CSS is. Then I realized, okay, for you to make it interactive, you need to use JavaScript. Then I learned JavaScript. Then I, I realized again, if I want to really build things at scale or things that will go big, I need to use some kind of frameworks to make it easy for me. So I don't have to write every bit of the code. It makes some of the work easy for me. So for somebody that wants to start, the best way for the person as a young person, as a child, I, I I taught my younger brother programming right from when he was in secondary school. And as I talk to you, he's in the university where he has been programming for like close to four years now or more than that. So it's something anybody can learn at any stage, but you should start from that basis, HTML, uh, CSS, then JavaScript. If you can establish yourself in that, which is very, very simple to get anybody started, but with little guidance and video tutorials, you can get up to speed with uh, learning those things and things are easier now compared to back then okay right so you see Ibrahim one of the things that's um one of the reasons why I'm doing this is because like you I was curious and then I started searching the internet for stories and the kind of stories we see out there is stories of Mark Zuckerberg of Bill Gates how they started really early started building stuff Steve Jobs started thinking things but we do not get to see the stories of 
people like me and you, black people, um, starting very early. And so there was no real connection. We have that connection intellectually, but I'm hoping that with these stories, like your own story, someone sitting at home, a young person in secondary school can understand that as an African, as a Nigerian, as a Ghanaian, as a Sudanese, as a Kenyan, I can do this thing because someone like Ibrahim has done it. And then I can look at him as a form of inspiration and also um, do such. And so let me take you um, to the last thing you said. So you got admission to study computer science in ABU Zaria, and then you started coding at that moment. Now, after the university, what was the process like? What did you say? I said I actually started coding while I was doing industrial chemistry before I entered 100 level. Right. Study science. Yeah. Right. So, um, the the question I would like to ask you is that so someone out there might be thinking, do I need to study computer science to be able to code, or um, I can just do any course and still learn how to code? I would like you to answer that. That is. <laughs> That is very difficult to answer a little bit, but you know, as a person that I've been involved in training people to and helping people launch career in technology generally, starting from web development, product design, and things like that. So, like we, it's not a requirement to study computer science. That's the reality. Now, but there are some level of uh, things you learn when you study computer science whereby advanced form of programming or like efficient, more efficient form of programming, you need to understand some data structures and algorithm uh, uh, structures like that in order to excel very well in those things. But then uh, those are things that can be learned if the person is really smart and uh, curious to learn more. Yeah, so uh, like in my, my company right now, there are people who, who, are, who studied biological sciences, there are people who studied economics, uh, physics, uh, telecommunication engineering, and they all, we never looked at their first degree. What we looked at basically is their uh, coding skills, what they've done, what they can do, and that's basically it. And that's and most of the clients we even hire talent for in the US and in Canada, for example. Uh, one of the things they look at is they give you some piece of code, like they want to see how you write your code, the quality of code you write, and your level of thinking, like how can you solve critical uh, problems, uh, difficult problems, how do you approach problems and things like that. Those are the things they look out for, not your first degree, not what you studied in school. But when you can do all of this, you don't need to have a degree at all. You don't need to have a degree in computer science in order to excel. So we don't even look at that. Like in my company, we don't look at what you study in your first degree. As long as you can get the job done, in a very efficient and quality, with good quality, that's all. Right. So when did you receive your first check or your first money from, from what you've learned? Wow. <laughs> that was in, I think, between 2010 and 11. 
because after learning how to write basic HTML, CSS, and JavaScript code in 20, 2009, I, I later paused when I resumed 100 level because I had to do mathematics, physics, and just one computer course in my first year. So I had to pause and 2011 in my second, yeah, 2010 when I entered second year to 2011, that was when I think 2011, to be precise, that was when I earned my first $100. I developed a website for a client on Elance.com back then. Okay, Elance merged with Odex to form Upwork, what we know as Upwork today. So back then it was on Elance, I, I freelanced and uh, yeah, I had to do a lot of things then because I had to stay behind the virtual private network, VPN. To appear to be in the US and created yeah. profile somebody that was in the US in order to get the gigs because they were scared of working uh, with people from Africa back then. Yeah. So, and I, I, I did the website uh, with WordPress back then. Sorry, Joomla. Yeah, it was Joomla. So, and yeah, back then and everything clicked. So, I, I and I was paid. I was actually paid. How did and, you feel? How did you feel like when you received this? Oh my God, like it just opened my eyes to like the possibility of being able to work remotely at my own time and pace because I, I developed the website over the weekend, like between uh, Friday, Saturday, mostly. And I worked for two weeks and I got that $100. So back then it was like, hey, these guys, everybody, all my classmates, friends, were, they felt like, wow, this guy, you, you don't graduate already. Like, it was like, hey, this guy, you are ahead of us. So, you know that kind of stuff. So, right. feeling like, hey, like there's this possibility that you don't need to work with anybody physically. You can work with them remotely and you get paid very good amounts. So, imagine you at that stage working for fri on Friday and Saturday for two weeks and you are getting $100. Yeah. So as a student, that's like really huge back then. Yeah, so like $100 is like 36,000 bar, which was really something then. Yeah, so like it was really, really huge for me because yeah. back then, even, I know it was a little bit more than the pocket money I get Definitely. So. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, so definitely for those people that are listening to us and does, and do not know what remote work is, uh, with the advent of the COVID-19 is becoming more popular where you can work in Nigeria. I'm sorry, you can be in Nigeria and work in the United States of America. You don't need to be in the company site physically to be able to work. And then Ibrahim mentioned Upwork. It's a platform where you can just um, be a what we call a freelancer so you can work independently on projects that are placed on the site so Ibrahim let's let's go on that journey that entrepreneurship journey how did you get your foray into entrepreneurship and what was your entrepreneurship journey like was it during school was it after your university year take us on that journey Okay, so I think the first time I knew I had this entrepreneurship stuff in me was when I when I finished secondary school. So, you know, I told you earlier that I, I didn't write jam when I finished secondary school, so I had yeah. to wait. So um, within that period, I started, the boys in my, around my neighborhood, I caught some of them that were in 
SS3, SS1, and I organized the lesson for them. And then I said they should pay 1,500 Naira a month, and I'll teach, I'll teach them mathematics because they had issues with mathematics back, back then, and physics, also some element of other maths back then. So that was like my first adventure uh, as an entrepreneur. But my dad was not comfortable with that. He felt I like going for money, money, money <laughs> back then. And he felt I should focus more on my education than how to make money. So and that, so when I got into the university and uh, I freelanced and got my first $100, it opened my eyes to possibilities. And I kept pushing and I worked for a couple of uh, months or year, a year plus or so. So and I discovered AliExpress back in 2011, and I discovered I could import things from China. So then I, I also started, like, uh, created an ebook back then, how to do importation business, which I, I sold close to, like, 3,000 copies or so wow. back then at 1,500 each. So it's something I've, like, all my life, uh, from my, after my secondary school, uh, in one way or the other, I've been doing one business or the other. Then I started importing Android tablets in 2012, uh, yeah, in 2012 to 2013. So I, I did that for close to a year, and uh, I would buy Android tablet for like 18,000 Naira, uh, most cases, 21. And I'll sell it for 30, 35,000 here in Nigeria to other students. So I'll just print like a very basic flyer, color printing, and I'll post them on our notice boards, uh, entrance to hostels and things like that. So I had people calling. Then I, I started with just two and I got to a point I was bringing up to like 20 something and 30. And yeah, so I, I now experienced uh, some drawback where I got duped by a friend because I, I wanted to start selling fairly used or London used phones back then. That was in 2013. And he went away with close to like 700 and something thousand. Are you back kidding? Then. Really? It was like all my life savings as a student then. Uh, that Those monies came from my businesses I was doing in school and uh in addition to that, uh, mostly from my freelancing gigs that I do weekends. And then, yeah, he went away with that money, but I, I was doing my sideways then, actually, and Asu was on strike for close to like a year then. So it was depressing and always almost made me, I felt sick, actually. So, but wow. I was able to get over it. And uh, after my graduation, that was when my next level of entrepreneurship Entrepreneurship started after that experience of getting duped. So, and uh, yeah, I started a cyber cafe where I, I started going down to a place called PZ Desaria. So, I'll just go down there, sit by my, uh, by my friend's shop. I, I download music for people, install applications for them, flash their phones for them. Then, I, I, I had some hacks back then. I could upgrade Android OS then because I I was really good with the Android OS because I had very strong background in Java programming. So I could rig Android operating systems then too. I could flash phones, Estony ROMs and things like that. So I was doing that and I was able to save a lot of money then. And I opened a shop 
then that was when I started a cyber cafe. I brought in like five computers, uh, photocopy machines and printers and things like that. And I got like two people working with me. Then I was mobilized for service and boom, I had to leave uh, Zaria in 2015 after about seven months at home. Uh, wow. after graduation then i left for abuja that was where uh the whole thing started i i let i allowed the shop i gave the shop to the guy i left in charge in 2016 about a year later because i wasn't really getting the kind of return i used to get so i just had to let it go that was when i uh 2015 here i started building my first tech startup so and right. I co-founded, I founded Motion West and then I got to meet a friend and uh, I brought him in as a co-founder. Then I we built our first product, which is called CBT Power. Uh, it's a computer-based assessment management platform. It allows like uh, teachers to create computer-based assessment for their students to take this assessment in school or at home as practice questions. Uh, in school as terminal exams or tests. So this, that, that was like the first startup. The, it didn't go as planned. Uh, we, we, hit, we hit a lot of uh, roadblocks or fence, let me use that word, because our assumptions were not right. A good example is we felt schools, the big schools were adopted, but we now realized later on that the schools were more after school management systems that had an assessment management component or module. <laughs> so they really don't want to ad adopt like an assessment management system as a standalone. Despite us was more robust and they were not just willing to give us this listening year and say, hey guys, come and deploy this. It was really difficult dealing with those schools. But then at some point we got about two schools using the platform. We had to leave it for them for free. So we went around it and tried to say, okay, why not provide some free uh, jump Q&A back then and allow people practice for free for that, then we can charge them later. But then we think it wasn't going as planned, so we had to just leave everything for free. So that was like my first startup, tech startup. And it, I always say it's failed because I felt it was a failure. It, well, it was also a learning process, but exactly. And and as I'm talking to you, it's still up. CBTPower.com. We still allow it there. It's still up. And we even wanted to revamp it like last year, but then a lot of projects and things came on board. We had to pause it because we wanted to. The whole idea of CBT Power is still there is to just give people like me and you that want to test anybody to just go online, create your assessment and share the link with anybody to take. So like that was their basic idea about CBT power. But then we wanted it to start with schools. We realized like a year or two later that schools wanted school management system as opposed to just a component like assessment management for students. We're more interested in like tracking the student from parent side, teacher side, and also the student side practicing. Uh, taking assessment so that, that that was just the whole idea so that how did you start up uh, i know you are you are now working on motion wheels um how did you um kind of pivot to what you do currently okay so 
as I write from the beginning, I've always loved training. So motion waves was built around the fact that the basic idea behind motion waves initially is for us to train people and uh, train people in software development, that's both web and mobile app development, digital marketing, and in addition to that, train them in like product design, like UI UX. They connect them to employers that need their services. That was the uh, basic, uh, the primary idea for Motion Wears at first. So it was in 2015. Can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. So it, okay, it was in 2015, and then we realized we don't have uh, the funds. Personally, I was the only one who started it, though, but I realized I wasn't having the funds to do this training, to get a physical space. Uh, that would be good enough for the training and things like that. So the next thing I was thinking is, what can I build to uh, get me started and raise some funding for me? Then the whole idea of CBT Power came on board. So CBT Power was more like a product of Motion West digital solution back then, right? right? So uh, we built CBT Power. Then going forward, beyond CBT Power, when it failed in 2016, right? Uh, we decided to just leave it up there. But let's go back to the primary aim of Motion West, which is training. But we still don't have enough funds or funds to train back then, train people and connect them to employers. And we really don't have connection with any kind of company to even start anything around that uh, If after training them and things like that. We, I really don't have an idea of how to go about it. So the best option is to start building softwares for people so uh, other startups around, I started networking with people, just freelancing with some foreign companies. So that's where I was sustaining myself as a person. So then uh, for my upkeep and paying of all the basic bills then. So then I started building software for other tech companies in Abuja here. And uh, going forward then, we're able to raise funds over time, building software for other people then. Uh, we had to come back to what we wanted to do initially. That was when we started training uh, more people, giving them internship provision, then getting them jobs. In addition to that, we started, uh, okay, we couldn't stop the building of software for people because most of the clients we worked with in the past uh, saw the value we could offer and our experience level and the kind of design pattern we give. So we tend to have like long time friends and clients that wanted us to keep work, that wanted to keep working with us and bringing new contracts and stuff like that. So as I, as I'm talking to you, an arm of Motion West focuses on software engineering at the highest level, both for international organizations and local organizations. For example, we've worked with like uh, USAID uh, to build uh, some uh, platform for like Emo State Waterboard, uh, Abia State Waterboard, Delta State Waterboard, Ninja State Waterboard, digitizing the whole process of buying, paying water bills online, customer request services and things like that. So, and also coming back to Nigeria or still in the international space, we've worked with like the World Bank uh, and click for the click on Cardinal uh, seminars and things like that, training people and connect, connecting them to like digital opportunities and so over time we keep trying different ideas like one you are aware of like summarized and right now we, we are working on Koyani which has been gaining a lot of traction in recent times so 
yeah, that's that's just uh, a journey from that part, starting motion wells, trying new things. Yeah, so that that's very interesting. I hope this inspires a student in secondary school in the university to see that these things are possible, not just in the United States, not the, not just in England, in Asia, but also in Africa, in Nigeria, in Ghana, in Uganda. And you know that when you talked about your first foray into entrepreneurship, I kind of remember what I also did when I was in secondary school. And um, there was this friend of mine who was not really good at technical drawing. And so they gave us this bulky project to draw about 20 um, stuffs in technical drawing. And he came to me and he was like, can I just help him? And then I said, he, he has to pay me. And so I had to stay overnight trying to do my own and also do his own. And after the old thing, he, after the old thing, he paid me. And then my parents discovered that I had so much money than I was supposed to have. And my dad followed me to the school. And then they went to the principal office. The principal had to call him and the rest of that. But I think it just takes us to that fact that parents need to kind of encourage this entrepreneurship qualities in their kids when they see it. So don't just quench it. You've got to have that enabling environment where you um, kind of motivate your child to do these things because you never can tell you could be building the seeds of something great. Sorry to go to Barrio. Funny enough, my, my parents, you know, I, I told you they are military personnel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, my dad had wanted me to go to the Nigerian Defense Academy. As a matter of fact, I wrote their exams twice in 2010 and 11, even when I was in level in, in Ibu. And my dad and my mom really wanted me to get it, right? And they were really pushing. I passed their exam like twice, but then I, it was intentional. I had to tell the board chairman in one of those locations during the interviews that I went for twice that Hey, I really don't want this. Like my parents want me to be here because I was really performing very well. Uh, but then, like I was very straight with the board chairman, and they were impressed even in like, during the interview. And that was when they, I had to voice out, "Hey, like I, I'm just here because my parents want me to be here." I was already in like 200 level in APU, uh, and have imagine you coming from 200 level back to like 100 level and now in 200 level. And they still want you to go to Defense Academy to go and start all over and spend four or five years and become a military officer. So, but then I had already seen the possibility of being a freelancer without working for the government. So I'd already seen those things, but my parents were very, very specific. Hey, it's going to give you like this secure future. Yeah. And once you graduate, you already have a job. You don't have to start looking for jobs. But they were not seeing that entrepreneurship part of it, like as a whole. At some point, they were even scared that, hey, uh, like the time you spent on computers, like is becoming scary. Like, hope you are not, if you are, we are, we are, stuff like that. And my dad, to be specific, he was very scared and was like, hey, this guy, don't go and buy trouble for anybody. Like, I will deny you. Like, you know, when parents are scared, like they can say certain things. I know he doesn't really mean, that, but then right. it's just trying to like make me frighten me and say, hey, don't go into something bad, right? So they, they, I don't know, they really don't, they did figure it out early that this guy was meant to be an entrepreneur. Like this guy has always been like 
independent of us. I hardly ask them for money to be candid. And I've always worked for my money, like from my university days. So mostly they send money, they don't send money. I just, they just call me, oh, you sent money to our account. Oh, thank you. I don't even know. I really don't care if they send money or not because I was doing well on my own. Yeah, parents that are listening to us this in this interview, what do you think they can, if they see their kids or their, their boy or girl, they can like have that inclination that, oh, probably this person has some entrepreneurship quality that I need to kind of wash out for. What do you think? So when, when, when you see kids trying to come up with ways for them to earn a living without uh, asking you or make some money with, or trying to come up with ways they can impact life uh, and earn money from it, don't discourage them. Because imagine in my area then, people were so scared of mathematics. And I was this guy that was like, I wasn't just like one of the best in my school, but like one of the best, like, for all the competitions I've been to uh, in mathematics and science subjects. But then when I said, okay, guys, come together, the parents believed in me and said, hey, this guy is good, so I, I can pay. That's why I just finished secondary school. They believed in me that, hey, I can teach their kids like mathematics, physics, and all of that in 100 in SS1 and GS3. So at that point in time, my parents felt like I was pursuing money. It was right. just money, money, money. They were they were not looking at the fact that I was going to make a difference in the lives of these people around me. As I'm talking to you, almost all of them, like if you see them today, most of them look older than me. But like that respect they had back then, right. like the respect is there. And some of them are like graduates working and they just be like, this was my teacher in school or yeah. when I was in three or when I, so like, that's just it. So when you see these things, your children trying to do certain things to make a difference uh, and any money from it, don't feel like, hey, they should focus on education only and not uh, move ahead. Encourage them, try to say, oh, you can even make this thing bigger. Why not right. try to do some posters, go house by house in the area to say, hey, I can do this or try have them talk to their own Says, uh, oh, my son is doing something like this. So try to encourage. If I had gotten that kind of encouragement, I believe I would have evolved to uh, look for a way to teach people around my area more and yeah. teach more people as opposed to the like seven to ten people I taught at that point. Yeah, and the thing again is that education in itself is more than schooling. The fact that you are even um, doing that, it's an education in itself. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I'm going to, I, I really appreciate everything you've said. Like we can go on and on, but we need to wrap this up. And um, like, I, I just have like three questions I would usually ask people I interview. Um, but before I go to that, the first thing I would, or the, is it the thought to the last thing, if I may say, I would love to ask you is, I remember one of the pictures you've posted um, on Facebook and I think WhatsApp where you met Jack, what's his name again? Jack of um, Twitter. Tell me about that experience. Oh, yeah, so I was this child that I love reading biographies growing up, and uh, especially my uh, 100, 200 level. So I read a lot about like founders from the US, starting from like uh, way back in 
the the era of uh, Andrew Carnegie, uh, the men who built America, to exactly. uh, down to Bill Gates, Wozniak, Jack Dorsey. These guys, I read about him a long time ago. So it was more like uh, Jack Dorsey has just been this guy, starting from audio, uh, which is the company that later became Twitter. Right. And uh, until Twitter, there were some controversies around. He wasn't really the founder, but then there was some smart movie made that I was really impressed by. Right. And those were like the things that really inspired me about him. And meeting him was like a dream come true for an entrepreneur, like trying to just go beyond Africa at some point. Right and uh, going global, most importantly, at some as at at some point. So it was really inspiring to me, and uh, I think the best thing there is getting to take picture with him and him giving me that attention to even take a picture and uh, yeah, like saying hi and other few things. It, although I didn't get to ask all the question I wanted to ask, yeah. him, but uh, I it was really enlightening, inspiring. And that's one reason I promised myself anywhere I have kids, young people that want to interact and ask questions, like no matter how busy my schedule is, I always take my time out to go uh, interact with them because it really impacted me like positively and gave me hopes that, hey, someday I'll be celebrated also for the impact. Yeah, right. Right. So what's your vision for Motion Wears? Let's say the next five, ten years. What's your vision? Where do you see Motion Wears? Okay, so funny enough, my my entrepreneurship adventure is not like the traditional side where you build this multi-billion dollar company and you keep growing in like Amazon and stuff like that. So for Motion Wears, it's more like, it's more like, let me say, Motion Wears is a hub for me. Because I just want to build a lot of products from Motion West. I prefer to call myself a serial entrepreneur because I, I, I love building things from ground up, like from scratch and make it something. So for Motion West, in the next five years, I'm sure I won't be CEO in Motion West. Somebody else will probably have taken over because I just want to build it, make it sustainable and be able to work with more international organizations, uh, partner with government agencies in order to uh, improve systems and efficiency of things like having government website coming up or application website to see going down and things like these are things that can be eliminated totally. But then you keep wondering how people get to get this contract. And in 2021, you still have application website going down temporarily. It's so funny and annoying at the same time. So I just feel Motion West will be at that point where we can start getting some of these kind of jobs with uh, the government to improve the efficiency of these things because these are things we do every day with international bodies and organizations. But then locally, it's difficult getting this contract. That's for Motion West. But then I would have left Motion West for other companies because I still have a lot of ideas I still want to build from scratch and make it something move to the next one. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Um all right. So second to the last question of the final question actually the next thing is not a question um so to say. So the final question would be if there is one person or two people within your network you think I should speak with um that would inspire my students in secondary school and also 
students in tertiary institution, um, who would that be at least a maximum of two, minimum of one, someone within your network that you can um, just introduce me to that would be an interesting um, speak? Well, so I think there are two people that will occur to me and that occurred to me immediately said that uh, the number one person will be a very good friend of mine. Mimsha Kubioha is actually uh, the executive director of Ventures uh, Platform Foundation. Uh, and, I, and I know you know Ventures Platform. Yeah. So uh, he's the executive director of Ventures Platform Foundation and uh, they help entrepreneurs build the future of African businesses uh, that will excel in Africa. So they are non-profit. So he, he had them there and it's one person. Then second person will be in person of Dr. Uche, although he's not based in Nigeria at the moment with his family, but then he still juggles between Canada and Nigeria. But then he has built a very successful tech company uh, there in Nigeria and worked with government uh, agencies a lot. And in addition to that, uh, he's, a, he's an advisor on Motion West and he has been a very, very good friend uh, also. These are like the two people. All right. I'll be very grateful if you could make that introduction probably um, after after this interview. Really, I would really appreciate that. Um, so before I let you go, in case there's um there are some people listening to us and would love to connect, ask questions, follow you to with your thoughts on social media, how can they get you? Um on Instagram, just soft preneur like. S O F T, then P R E N E U R, Softpreneur. So uh, on Twitter, the same thing. Uh, on LinkedIn, the same thing. And also on Facebook, the same thing. And on Medium, where I write articles, once I'm less busy, I still do the same thing. So, and yeah, and also my email is always available. And you can always, always reach out to me for my personal email. So since it's non-business, so you can just reach out to me at ibrahim abdraman 0692 at gmail.com. I'll respond to any questions or yeah, anything. Thank you very much, Ibrahim. I really appreciate it. It's been a very beautiful discussion with you. Thank you very much, Dio. And it's nice having you. I think I'll be the one to interview you next because <laughs> I, I'm about to start uh, talking video uh youtube videos and uh you know i started uh last two years and yeah. i couldn't really continue because of my schedule but i'm making provision for that i'll start hopefully uh next week or so and yeah and i'll also be interviewing some founders also hopefully uh in nigeria here all right i look forward to that anytime brother i hope you enjoyed the discussion with my guests this week now, I do write a detailed blog post about my guests, including lessons I learned, backstories, behind-the-scenes discussion, terms used, and how to implement their advice. Visit www.thisisalsoafrica.com and don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter. One more thing, kindly share this episode with others. Let's inspire a generation together. See you on the next one.